0: Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host Preston Hodgkinson. Joining alongside me are my wonderful co-hosts Jonah Hickmore and Corey Travers and we are quite happy this weekend because the Oilers are coming off a 3-2 win against the Calgary Flames this past Friday that moves their record to 5-2-0 against the Flames and does this put the Flames' playoff hopes to bed. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Because I'm pretty, pretty jacked up about it.
1: Yeah, the Flames aren't making the playoffs. I mean, they'd have to get extremely hot at this point. I just don't see it. They're not that good of a team. Just lost to Ottawa. They lost to us, which, you know, a lot of a lot of teams do that. That's not that bad. But it uh, was <laughs> us a lot. Uh, yeah, they're just not quite up to snuff. Even if they are a good team, like they, they just have to be a fantastic team from here on out to make it. So I don't see it.
2: I don't know I uh I hesitate to uh call anybody dead in the water before they're mathematically eliminated but like Corey said it'll be it'll be hard like they would have to have a pretty unlikely series of events come together to get back into uh serious contention I mean that being said I guess this is NHL hockey so never say never because you know Mike Smith would be a pretty unlikely series of events prior to this year. So uh, like I said, I'm not going to say that they can do it, but I I don't think it's likely.
0: Oh, no, I'm saying it's uh, certainty at this point. Yeah, that's right. I'm putting all my all my chips on this. Nice. Um, even though that might jinx us, I don't know. We have a reputation of jinxing things here on this podcast. Uh, early Corey,
2: on. you guys are all like, oh, we're going to go four and we didn't even get to play four last week.
1: You so. can't <laughs> lose four if you don't play four. <laughs> yeah,
2: pretty much.
1: But, uh, going go, uh, going back to one, that. To the
0: Flames win here. McDavid just continued his dominance over the Flames this year. Uh this is his second straight game against Calgary, I believe, where he got the 3-2 game winner in the third period. Um what's what's going on with McDavid here? Is he just more motivated than usual? I know we know he's like an amazing player and probably best in the player, but I think he gets up a little more when it's against the flames.
2: Well, you would hope that all of the Edmonton players get up a little bit more for the Battle of Alberta. Like it is the uh, like traditional huge rivalry for this team, right? Like it shouldn't just be McDavid that's going out there going, I want to like make the flames miserable. It should be every single one of them. McDavid might be doing it better than them, but like uh, the rest of them, but I'd like to see, I'd like to, or I'd like to think that it's like all the Oilers players that want to put a particularly good effort in against Calgary, you know? Yeah. Because they know that we, you know, the, the traditional rival.
0: Especially, yeah, after, awesome that, uh, especially after that week uh, performance against Montreal, they did come out with a lot more energy.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, McDavid probably had one of his worst weeks on the whole of the entire season, which is sounds like an insult, but it's actually a compliment because he's had an MVP caliber season. He's been fantastic every week. But they didn't dominate Calgary uh, at five on five the way they have in, in games past. So the McDavid line, you know, it was it was it was an all right game, Uh, just like the Toronto game was an all right game. The the Montreal game was a pretty bad game, actually. And uh, I love Corey's
2: art of the backhanded compliment. Right. You had an okay week.
1: Expect more from you, though, McDavid. For him, Uh, you know, still (laughs) his okay week is most players. Fantastic week. But, you know, he thought he didn't really dominate this past week. Uh, if I can if I can nitpick here but that's great because we were still able to go two and one and I expect him to get back on track with his MVP caliber play so we're sitting pretty
0: yeah absolutely and the the McDavid dry saddle combination was not the case in that win dry sidle centered his own line alongside Dominic Cahoon and Kyler Yamamoto I really like that line there's, I I said it before and I'll say it again. I think Cahoon is a good fit on that line. It's just he's had some consistency issues over over the course of the season. But when he's on, he's, he's a fantastic fit with dry set on Yamamoto.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it allows News to play, uh, you know, up and down the line a lot of the times with the McDavid line, which, I mean, McDavid line is your number one line. You need to give it some firepower. You can't have McDavid just drag in, Jesse and you know, maybe a lesser player. Uh, obviously, Ennis is hurt right now, but if you had him up on the top line, like he's a good player, but he's not really a top line guy. So having Cahoon on the second line does allow you to put a little bit more firepower on the first line when McDavid and Drysall are split up. So absolutely, I agree with that. Cahoon and you mean is, you is can't have McDavid
2: drag like an an anchor around like wasn't that the whole point of putting up like Cassian on that line and that just to see how much weight McDavid could successfully drag from one end of the ice to the other so we know
1: strength (laughs) yeah okay so we know we know he can
2: officially move this bad player or or not good player successfully and still be productive excellent as long as we find a less bad player we're good (laughs)
0: giving me flashbacks to ty ratty there shona i don't want to think about Uh, ty
2: ratty at least was a little bit a little bit more fleet of foot than zach cassian (laughs) yeah
0: i'll give you that i'll give you that
2: (laughs) i'm gonna give him nothing else because last week you all learned how i feel about winterhawks but uh (laughs) he's a little more fleet of foot than (laughs) zach cassian
0: Uh, Moving from the Flames, who we're glad to see down in the dumps to a team, we're not uh, happy to see down in the dumps. The Vancouver Canucks have over 20 players and personnel in the COVID uh, protocol list, a lot of them affected by the variant from Brazil. Their season has got to be on the verge of shutting down. And if it shuts down, I believe the Oilers have four or five more games against the Canucks. What do you guys imagine will happen to those games? Will it just be an automatic win, or will they just give the Oilers a shortened season, even more shortened than it already is? Like, it's a complex situation. I don't know how the NHL
1: moves forward from this. I think you're right that it is a complex situation because the NHL has never really handled uh, using win percentage uh, like it's just this obvious thing to do, even though it seems really obvious to me. Like, I think it would just be very easy to say these games are canceled. They never got played. Not everyone played the same amount of games. That's fine. We'll just use win percentage. How simple is that? But the NHL doesn't really like to do that. They always like to say we're playing the full season. Everyone has to play the same amount of games. It's the only way that's fair. But, like, how hard is it to just say, hey, there's a global pandemic going on right now. Things are going to get weird. Let's cancel the games because it's unsafe to play them. And let's use the most simple explanation, which is just, win percentage and leave it at that. So, I mean, to me, it just seems like an easy thing, obviously not, not, not an easy thing to deal with in terms of all the the COVID complications that are going on, but figuring out the standings doesn't seem like it should be one of the things that's complicated in this, but uh, the NHL has kind of proven in the past that they're reluctant to just say, Hey, you were fourth in the standings based on win percentage. They, They like to open up the playoffs and give teams who didn't otherwise have a chance. I mean, that's why the whole, play in thing spawn from last year, which was kind of weird. Um would have been easier probably just to say teams who are gonna make it can make it. But uh yeah, that's my kind of that's my my late, you know, eight months or whatever it is, late rant on why the oilers kinda got robbed out of the real playoff spot last year. But yeah, for yeah, sure. I think a
0: lot go. of people would agree with you as well.
2: I mean, I think like Corey was saying, for the, the Canucks right now, the least important thing is what happens with the standings. Like the most important thing for them is always, obviously the, the health and safety of their, um, their players, their personnel, and those, those people's families. Um, that being said, like I think it's disappointing for me that the NHL didn't already have something um articulated when this season started like if there's a COVID outbreak you know they said oh we'll reschedule the games well if it's bad enough that that team can't reschedule for the foreseeable future what are you going to do like i don't know what the nhl will elect to do with vancouver if they have to scrap their season but i'm a little disappointed that they hadn't already decided that and communicated it out so that we're all still like guessing right like could have been an easy decision before you even started the season. If a team, you know, is COVID compromised to the point where they can't go or they can't finish their season. This is the protocol for assessing, you know, the rest of the teams in that division, you know, who still have games to play or overall the teams in that division, like that would have been a responsible thing to let people know. Right. Um, that being said, yeah, I think it's the least important part of what Vancouver is going through right now. I mean, for Oilers fans, probably, you know, pretty important to figure out um, or find out, but I mean, pretty scary when you think like professional athletes with this level of personal protective equipment, how contagious the from must be, right? So, I think the NHL just needs to make a decision and stick to it. So if Vancouver's season is done, you know, just be like, we're doing win percentage or we're doing that, they're forfeit and Edmonton gets all the points. Yeah. But, you know, just make a decision and stick to it so yeah. that there's not even more who knows kind of going around the situation.
0: Yeah. There's a ton of confusion surrounding the situation. I think even if they are able to reschedule these games at some point, you got to look at the amount of players who are affected and be like, man, we're just not going to do it. Like this is, is, too much risk involved. Like why would I put my family at risk even more than I already have, um, by playing hockey games. So I think if they do decide to reschedule, there will be a pushback from the players association at the very least. Um, I don't know that for sure. I'm not an insider, but uh, I think well, you, a lot of these you players... might have
2: like, we had very few players opt out at the start of the season. I thought we might see more. I thought we saw a lot less opt out at the start of this season than we saw opt out of the bubbles for the plane and the playoffs. So, yes. you know, um, I expect you're right, Preston. And and there'll be some pushback from the players association around the health and the safety of the players, but to be quite honest, I uh, I feel like the players' association should have been doing that pushback way at the start when this season got proposed. You know, it should have been like a demand to clearly outline those safety procedures, those protocols. Like, you know, um, this isn't the first virus. Like we've been hearing about the potential for variants for months. So um, that the NHL and the NHLPA haven't got procedures in place when they're about to do a traveling league, um, you know, seems not irresponsible, but a little bit reckless to me. Like I know that they're just traveling through Canada, but that's still a lot of spread and a lot of different like potential for contacts. If you take into account, like all the personnel in each rink that, you know, just takes one contact with them with one player who plays, you know, for a few shifts, Against somebody else and breathes on them, and then your whole team's got COVID. You know, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty risky thing not to have
0: really good protocols set out for. So, yeah, for sure, it's, it's and a- then
2: Corey wouldn't have to rant about win percentage either. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it's a terrible situation. Uh, moving to some more light hearted Oilers talk. Uh, everyone's favorite. Cat is back and we're not talking about Shona's cat who just showed up in the frame for us. I guess the listeners can't see it, but, uh, Tracy Lane, a popular Oilers Twitter rumor account, um, popped up again today and said that the Oilers were interested in former Oiler, Riley Shahan, who's currently on the Buffalo Sabres and devil left winger, Kyle Palmieri. Now I'm not going to put too much weight into this because, uh, Tracy Lane doesn't usually have the greatest track record when it comes to rumor rumors, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about Riley Shahan as a possibility of returning and Kyle Palmieri, maybe being on Oilers radar. He was held out of the devil's last game and he's expected to be traded. So, Hey, are any of these guys, players, the Oilers should be pursuing at the trade deadline?
1: I mean, I could see an argument being made for Palmieri as a guy you could play in your top, six or top nine at worst uh guys got some finishing talent has has scored in the past that's a cool thing uh you know you wouldn't want to give too much away for a Kyle Palmieri I don't think but would it slightly improve a team that's already a playoff caliber team and needs a little bit more to do some real damage in the playoffs yeah probably so that that's nice but Shan I mean that that doesn't really uh that really doesn't do much for me to be honest yeah Yeah, I'm
0: not like with uh, Sheehan, it's more of what the Oilers already have, right? Like we got exactly. third line centers, fourth line centers. What were you going to say, Shona? I'm
2: not particularly wowed by either. I think um, neither, or, neither rumor, neither either of you, um, you know, like or like you were saying, Preston Sheehan is a lot of what the Oilers maybe already have, and in in some cases maybe have, you know, a potential of like fourth, third, fourth. know fourth line centers that can play third line center they've got you know enough people they can slide into those roles um between what they have up and what they have in the taxi squad that they don't need to be trading for it and omari well it's fun to say but you know i i'm not uh i'm not sitting here thinking yes that will make things like that will be you know, it is not the pancia that Taylor Hall seems to be, where everyone's like, oh, yes, automatic addition to the top six. And Corey's got a bunch of stats for us. And, you know, it, it, it's not that. And Jeff's like, you know, over in Buffalo, just like suddenly very happy and has no idea why. You know, it, it, it's not that.
1: Got in a All barrel like, and jumped over Niagara Falls. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't quite happened yet. It doesn't feel like it will happen. Uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman over at the Athletic kind of put the Taylor Hall rumors um, to rest when he said the team wasn't really willing to give up a top uh, round pick and that they weren't really willing to work around the salary cap uh, difficulties which it sucks but well you you know I think we all expected it at some point
2: uh let's uh this is the Oilers so you know we hear a lot of things that aren't gonna happen that suddenly happens. So uh, you can hold out your tiny, like 1% kernel of hope um, as per Oilers usual. But I don't know, I just, um, I really do think that if you're trading for somebody they need to be a bona fide top six, not a maybe top six, probably more top nine could be effective, but maybe, um, not more effective than something you've already got if it starts to like really you know it's like we were you were saying earlier Preston Cahoon's great with the second line when he's consistent he's just not consistent like yeah you don't need more of well this would be really great if we could just get this player consistent you know yeah for sure you got enough kind of 50% of the time fantastic 50% of the time really mediocre players right I yeah. just one Whatever they bring in at the trade deadline, I'd be super happy if it was just someone who's having a pretty consistent year.
0: Yeah, and that kind of segues into the next player I want to talk about, which is Luke Glendening, which has been tied to the Oilers for weeks now. And I just, I'm, I'm struggling to comprehend it because like Riley Shahan, he might be a good faceoff man, but I don't think he's particularly better than what the Oilers have on the third and fourth line at the moment. Like, that one's
2: also fun to say. Just saying, like, <laughs> there's like <laughs> a Fun couple names. ing
0: sounds in there. <laughs> but I just I don't see why they would is bring bringing a guy like Luke Lindenning. Like you're going to give up an asset for a guy like him when you already have Gaten Haas and Kyle Turris. Do the same thing more or less. Like you're maybe slightly upgrading that position. I don't
1: know. Yeah, well, I as guess... far as being the guy to win big faceoffs. I mean, Drysidle's actually improved significantly over the last few years and has been a really good face-off guy so i don't really think we are in huge need of a guy to come in and win face-offs that's all he's really good for um i mean that's all that really separates him from what we currently have you don't really want to give up much for that i mean luke landenning is a very good face-off guy but there's limited value to that uh you know unless you're kind of a team that just doesn't have that at all and you need it to Fix your PK or fix your pen, your power play or anything like that. So I, I'm not I'm not too excited about a Lucian Denning. I know he's Holland's boy, but it's not a big deal.
2: Well, that's the other thing that I think um, I'm not excited. I'm just kind of uh, watchful of like we got um, when we got Holland and we got Tippett. You know, we got a, a bunch of players that they're familiar with. They've got um, and you know even before with Schiarelli, if you think Lucic was a guy that he'd seen in, in Boston, right? Like every GM and head coach wants to bring in these guys that they're familiar with. Like, that's literally why we've got Mike Smith, right? It's one of tip its guys. Um, but Corey's right in that if you don't look and say, is my guy bringing, you know, I know he's my guy, but is he bringing something that I don't already have, you know? Or is he bringing something That I can't get for cheaper out of my prospect pool, then um, you better not be coming, right? Because
1: there's no. You don't have a big history of success with nepotism, for sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Corey, the master of the understatement and the backhanded compliment tonight, (laughs)
0: right? Yeah, it's all three of these guys we mentioned Riley Sheahan, Kyle Palmieri, Luke Landinning. I think Palmeri has the most. shine on that the most uh, positive influence I think if we did Adam but Shahan and Glenn Denning, they just their value like you guys said are just limited and it just doesn't make sense for a team um, who stated they weren't looking to make depth moves to make a move that would be purely depth related right so yeah it's a no from me on all three fronts I think Preston, why are you expecting the Oilers to stay consistent with their messaging? They are going to stay consistent with their managed messaging one of these years, okay? It might not be <laughs> this year, but I'm going to... They're going to say something and actually do it one day.
2: He's... It, it's just... Your optimism is just refreshing.
0: <laughs> yeah. you know? like, I, I they may maybe, be
2: lying to me right now, but one day they'll tell me the truth. <laughs> I tend to, to lean okay. on
0: the optimistic side of things. Um, <laughs> but we won't be starting in this next segment, but we'll be hearing from a few ads before we get into it. Stick around. We're going to be talking about Evan Bouchard. Euler award winners not named McDavid or Dreisaitl. And hey, Clef Balm's back in Edmonton. We're going to react to it and see if the Oilers should cover him in the exp- in the expansion draft. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back and uh, we we're talking about how optimistic I was at the end of the last segment there. But what one thing I'm not optimistic about is how the team is handling Evan Bouchard. Uh, referencing Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletics article, it seems like The Oilers are content with letting Bouchard sit on that taxi squad roster until there is an injury because they're not confident in sending him back down to Bakersfield. So if there's no injury, Bouchard's just not going to play. And am I crazy here, or is this just a bad idea?
2: Well, I think we've had this conversation before. It's a bad idea for all your young defensemen. Like, it's bad for Bouchard. It's bad for Jones. I think we saw that, you know, where... um, If they're not playing they're not learning they're not growing they're making mistakes when you do play them on a you know ceremonial like here here's a token game here's a token shift here's token five minutes well chris russell plays 20 you know um so i do think it's bad for development but i don't think it's just bouchard like i think it's optimistic to say it's just bouchard they're messing with obviously they're messing with bouchard's development But I think that they've got more than, I think I would put Bear and Jones also in that, you know, you're not doing them any favors the way you're handling this season category, right? Bouchard definitely pull the trigger, let him play or send him to Bakersfield where he can play, you know. And the other two, like, well, Jones especially, I feel like, let him play or send him to Bakersfield, you know. I think that there needs to be a lot more transparency around what the Oilers are doing with their young defensemen. And I don't want to hear from Tippett again. um, Well, they're young defensemen and we, you know, don't want to rush their development, whatever the, whatever he's been slinging. Like, I think it's episode one or two, I went on a
1: a delightful rant and I
2: haven't backed down from that position. Gentlemen, like, I think it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I I absolutely agree with both of you here. I mean, it's just not good asset management. I mean, and and like even, I I don't really like referring to players as assets that much. It kind of seems a little impersonal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just not, you're not doing any service to these young players who hopefully will be a big part of your organization someday and you're not letting them develop properly. And I understand that it's it's a really weird situation with the COVID uh, uh, quarantine that you have to take coming from a u.s farm team to a canadian nhl team i get that it's it's not a typical year and that they in a typical year would be playing in bakersfield but like so what like you've got to either play these guys or let them play somewhere because just sitting on the bench and not playing at all is just hurting their development so bad and it's just so short-sighted to say this is fine this is fine that the best defenseman prospect in your organization in at least a decade, probably more and Evan Bouchard is not playing hockey games right now and hasn't for a long time, despite no injury. It's, and I'm not just saying that as someone who has Evan Bouchard on my fantasy hockey team, I'm saying that as an Oilers fan, who's concerned that they're going to bungle the situation with a, a very, very good defense prospect.
2: I think the other thing is it basically tells those prospects and those, you know, players that they're not, you know, you don't see them there, right? Like you've got an opportunity in this covid shortened season to give them games. And they're basically hearing loud and clear that you don't see them as part of your organization, you know, whether that's right now or not, you know, and you do see them in the future. For sure. <laughs> you, you sit them too long. Are they going to want to play here?
0: Yeah, I, I think a good example of that exact thing happening was in that Montreal game. You know, the team was coming off a few games in, like, like I want to say, like, three and five or something, four and five. Like, they had a quite a, a lot of games in a short period of time. And when they went to, into Montreal, it was kind of the end of all that, uh, that, that stretch of games. They could have played a guy like Bouchard. They could have played Jones. But instead, they opted for the exact same lineup, and they came out looking really tired and slow. So it just seemed like they bungled up that opportunity to get some young, fresh feet into the lineup
1: yeah I agree with that too like I think Bouchard should be playing even like forgetting that the alternative is him sitting on the sidelines not playing in Bakersfield I think just like if you're putting your best six defensemen out there Evan Bouchard is probably one of those six but even like beside that point you've just got to play him somewhere even if you don't think he is one of the one of your top six defensemen like don't screw up his development but also just like use him it's easy he's a good defenseman
0: they're, they're finding ways to use William and you got to find ways to use Evan Bouchard, for sure. Well, and I think that, that that's true of,
2: you know, if you can find ways to use William Lagasin, who's not an awful defenseman, but he's not, you know. When you picked Bouchard, you made a big, uh, you know, big thing about how this was the, the future of the Oilers' defense and all of those things, then um, be consistent in your messaging and don't sideline him right? Like, you don't pick him and when you draft him, talk about how he's the next coming of the offensive defenseman for the Oilers and then sideline him for, you know, just sit here and wait till it's your turn. You know, you're the next coming of the defense, the offensive defenseman. Not right now, just sit and wait. You know, he's he's a good enough hockey player that you should use him in some way, right? Same with a lot of their young defense prospects, you know bear is is when he's playing maybe third line minutes you know okay that's fine start him there but be assessing what your defenders are doing yeah for sure. and switch and up your better. defense pairings in a game if they're not working like the Montreal game not much was working but they continued to do the same things right like oh you know well this will work it didn't work the last three times you put that pair out there okay but go for it you know
0: yeah no for sure and there's a little more flexibility there's a lot, of people, there's a lot of people great. that were upset about uh the the ice time in that that 3-2 Calgary win with Ethan Bear playing I think just a hair under 10 minutes or just mm-hmm. at 10 minutes and Chris Russell playing significantly more minutes despite way different results I think Bear was one of the best defenders that game despite the the limited ice time and Uh, well Barry and Russell um, as they they have been doing recently have struggled so so I think that
2: like even if you wanted to keep Barry up as one of your top pair slide somebody in instead of Russell or you know do something you know switch up who you've got on the power play do something to reward your young defenders who are playing really well for you and putting up with a lot of Preston's going to earn his explicit tag on this one. Bullshit
0: from your coaching staff, right? For sure. No, I'm glad to put that explicit tag in there. <laughs> uh, moving on from some things that uh, we're not too happy with to something that hey, we should we should be happy about. Oiler um, avoid award winners not named McDavid or Drysaitel. I think there's two players that fit this bill that could be in talks for an award. Darnell Nurse, could he win the Norris? I, I don't think he will win the Norris, but he's going to make that top five ballot,
1: right? He'll get some votes. I mean, he definitely will. He leads all defensemen in goals with 12. He's got a plus 20. I'm not the biggest plus minus guy in the world, but a lot of awards voters still value it. Uh, I, I was looking at some stats earlier. Uh, hockey reference has him as uh, number one in the NHL among defensemen in point share, which is, Uh, a metric that they have. Uh, I mean, I mean, they have it for players in the seventies as well. It's, it's very basic just based on box score stats like plus minus and goals and assists. Uh, So it's like, it's not the best stat in the world, but it is a descriptive stat that kind of shows you based on the very simple box cards that a lot lot of people still value what players have, have done, not so much uh, what they will do in the future. So, I mean, you still got to give credit where credit is due. Darnell Nurse has been on the ice for some very, very positive results this year. A lot of that has to do with playing a lot with McDavid, playing a lot with Dreisaitl, uh, but still, he's been good. And he also, he's been shooting an extremely high percentage. Let's not say Darnell Nurse is the best defenseman in the league or uh, start advocating for him to get paid like the best defenseman in the league. He's not Victor Hedman, but he's had a very good year. And he will get some Norris votes. He'll be on the ballot. And to a certain extent, he deserves it. He had a great year. Uh, he's certainly improved upon his own past results. And good for him. Apparently he's worked his ass off. Uh, and you know, he, he's playing good hockey. Good. Sorry, adding to our explicit tag. Yeah. Um, hell
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I always hesitate before we we've got a bit of a stretch. I don't wanna I would say the way he's played right now, he'll definitely be on the ballot, like Corey was saying. I don't think he'll win it. Um, But I hesitate to say, like, I don't want to say for sure he'll be on the ballot. Obviously, like, you know, he's a hockey player. They have superstitious moments of complete and utter just irrationality where he could go on a skid where he could play a few awful games and tank some of those lovely stats Corey just took us through. But I do think he's had a better year. And I think more than a nor more than the the Norris, I'm glad that he's had a better, more consistent year for the Oilers this year. He has been such a hot and cold defender with the Oilers. And it's been very, very frustrating. You know, he's a, he's a big, uh, big favorite of particular parts of the Oilers, you know, universe. Um, so it's been very, very frustrating to, uh, to see him underperform in previous years. So I'm just really glad he's had a consistent and solid year this year. If you're going to want to build a, a defense, you know, keep telling us he's part of the, the future with McDavid and Dryside, all of them. I'd like more years like this year where you can legitimately say you know, he should be in consideration to be on the ballot for the Norris.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and he's the type of player that I know for a fact, a lot of the people voting for these type of awards absolutely love. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made it into that top three as we stand right now. Like Shona said, like hockey players are all over the place sometimes. Maybe he could take those stats for the rest of the year and be awful. But as it stands, it doesn't appear he's going to be like that um so worse worse knock on wood real quick he could get hurt yeah.
2: then True. then Carl will get to see evan bouchard so it's not you know a complete <laughs> loss but
0: oh i don't know if we'll see evan bouchard even then i'm not too sure about oh, that <laughs> <laughs> the other guy i have pinned as a potential award winner and hey i i'm eating crow on this as well i didn't think i was going to be saying this i thought i'd be reagan on this guy all year long could Mike Smith make the Vesna ballot again? Don't think he's going to win it, but the guy has been a gamer all year round and I, I maybe he won't regress. Maybe he'll just keep being good. I,
2: I actually worry about this one a lot because I think that this is the validation that certain Oilers um, members of Oilers management feel they need for like continuing to employ Smith and <laughs> Like the law of probability says this is not going to be a forever. Even if he gets out of this season, like do not, do not do this again next season. You know, like he's 39 this season. Do not go get another goalie. Right. Um, you know, but he has had a very good season. Like you said, Preston. So uh maybe, maybe he's on the Vesna. I mean, he's got that, you know, if, if he just had a little bit of a better story, we could do like the, the master or whatever it is, like rebound from horrible year, you know, like yeah. whatever. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he's had a good year. I don't know if he's had the best year of goalies in the NHL. I mean, he hasn't had a carry price bad year though.
1: So. Right. I, I actually love the master thing where like, because it's supposed to be if you overcame a bunch of adversity and his yeah. adversity was playing poorly, just being well, bad at hockey for a little I, bit.
2: I'm sorry. I have legitimately seen contenders put in for that for literally yeah, no, they have, being they bad at done, hockey previously. Right. You know, every uh, once in a while you get one like Darcy Kemper who you're just like, okay, yeah, legitimate overcome of over an adversity, legitimately, you know, like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> get a lot of oh <laughs> I was bad at hockey suddenly got good again yeah,
1: <laughs> you know bad at hockey is a born again good at hockey now uh but yeah no I mean you're absolutely right Shona uh you the, the thing that scares every Oilers fan is you don't want to see Oilers management be like hey he was uh, you got some uh Norris votes for nurse or in this case he got some uh he got some Vesna votes. Let's give him a humongous contract at age thirty-nine. Let's let's give him a long-term contract until yeah, he's yeah four years something yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, but and we got the next Johnny Bauer over here. But um, no, I mean we should just be able to root as Oilers fans for our guys to get some recognition and not have to worry about uh, Oilers management extrapolating that into the future and and making uh, an unwise salary cap move on it. So. But Hold on. Just you just said isolated. we were Oilers fans. Like, no, I like don't understand
2: what you're trying to tell me as an Oilers fan. <laughs> I'm
1: saying that we've seen some we've seen some stuff in the past.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, know, but like you're like, we should be able to just cheer for them to do well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a novel concept, but I, I think we should be able <laughs> to- Exact Corey.
2: That. I, I sit <laughs> here. If you're not in the middle of your contract and doing well, I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna <laughs> toss money at you. Oh. we don't got that
0: money
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so imagine if you will the others have competent management regardless of what happens with the awards voting it's not going to influence their decisions okay in this hypothetical situation we can just cheer for our guys to get awards recognition because hey they seem like nice guys and maybe they deserve it in that alternate reality Let's hope Mike Smith gets some Norris, or not Norris. Uh, <laughs> he, gets some Norris votes, he can like get Norris votes. Uh, Goalie mean,
2: is, in fact, the last line of defense.
1: Beck will give him a Norris vote. I'm calling it right now. Um, <laughs> but no, no, some Vesna votes because he's had a good year. I mean, he won't be as high up the ballot as Nurse, I don't think, will be on the Norris. Um, as high up the the Vesna ballot as Nurse is on the Norris, I should stipulate, <laughs> But um he'll he'll maybe get a couple of votes from i mean probably from spec and and some some other oilers centric uh people who vote on i'm not i'm not exactly sure uh how many oilers voters are are gonna vote on that but um yeah he'll get a few uh he's not gonna win i mean he's not having nearly as good a year as a, a ton of guys out there vasilevsky will probably win uh even i mean if I mean, this, is, this is blasphemous, but if Campbell continues to roll, he might get some votes, despite the fact he's only played, I think, eight eight games so far, but he's playing out of his mind. Um, but yeah, let's root for that. Let's root for Mike Smith to get some recognition at, at the, as kind of a send-off to the end of his Oilers career.
0: Yeah, for sure. And hey, I it. Can't I be. Love it. it
2: has to be the send-off to the end <laughs> of his Oilers career.
1: As
0: long as it's a send-off, because <laughs> I think what the Oilers should do is be like, hey, we betted on a 39-year-old Smith it paid off. Let's not bet on a forty-year-old Smith. Yeah, let's
2: Ennegan, walk away
1: from the table. Ennegan so yeah, it's dicey like, really quick.
2: I feel like the Oilers are that um that gambler. That's like I won once. Just let me double down.
1: <laughs> they absolutely are. I mean, you're right on that, hundred percent.
0: So, uh, so we're not dealing with Shirelli hol- here. Hopefully, Holland that's is true. a little better. He uh, did look for a new goalie before defaulting back to Smith. So maybe he does that again. He's successful this time.
2: Well, it's interesting to me because they brought Stalick up to the taxi squad and they haven't called him from that, right?
0: So, that's interesting though because his deal does not expire this summer. They have him for another year. So
2: he could potentially right?
0: fill a fill a spot as a backup next season. So,
2: right, if you're you're talking, we were talking earlier, do we see Stalick? Well, we haven't up till now. You've had him, you know, he's been cleared to play for the Oilers, what better part of a month and we haven't seen him
0: yeah right so it's nice to see that they have some options especially with Koskinen uh, kind of struggling lately
2: well you know maybe all the good goalie uh vibes are going to Smith right now
0: maybe maybe <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Oilers may out. only
2: have Oilers may only have one superior goalie at a time
0: <laughs> speaking of some good vibes um a popular player that we haven't seen all year due to injury was seen back in Edmonton today Oscar Kleffbaum is back in Edmonton after successful shoulder surgery. Um, I think they expect his recovery time to run until September, October, so there's a chance that he can play to open the year, but I wouldn't particularly take that bet. Um, My question to you guys is, do you protect him in this expansion draft coming up?
1: Yeah, like I think he'd have to. I mean... My general thoughts are yes
0: too, you
2: know?
1: It's depressing to think that it might not be a good idea because his career might be close to over if the shoulder surgery isn't all that successful. I mean, that's a really pessimistic thing to think about, but it also like, there's a possibility that it's serious enough that we might not ever see him play at the level that he was at before. But I think it's just worth the risk. The level that he was playing at before is better than any defenseman we currently have with a possible exception of nurse who's really stepped his game up. But I mean, overall, I'd still bet on a healthy Clef Bomb being our defenseman next season, our, be- our best defenseman, uh, you know, if he were able to, to play next season. So you're not giving up your best defenseman in an expansion draft. I mean, uh, yeah. that, that's just ludicrous.
2: And- One of the things that I've always liked about Clef Bomb, I don't know how much, I can't think of how much longer he has on that contract off the top of my head. Is this is a very team-friendly contract, right? He's got a very team-friendly contract for having been the best defenseman they had over the last couple of years, you know, previous to this season. So
0: I think it would be silly not to protect him. Yeah, and he's a guy who's just had some rotten luck in his career. I know he almost almost lost his foot to a staph infection a few years ago. Like, insane, fluky thing to happen. And now I heard it was arthritis in his shoulder at the age of, what, 27? Like, this guy's just had a rough go-around. Uh, in the NHL wins is it's a shame because like you guys said, he's been one of our best defensemen prior to this season. And I got to say outside of Car McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all the usual suspects, I think Clefbaum has been my favorite player just because of how consistent, consistently stable he is. He might not be at that consistently high level, but even at his worst, he's a pretty stable defenseman. So. Yeah. He,
2: he, he doesn't have a, you know, he's not a, you know gothic style cathedral ceiling but you know where you're not like going to the sub basement with him either yeah right he's
0: always he's always just a this consistent quality player and i really hope he can come He's back also
2: like that. a genuinely pleasant human being every time i've had the opportunity to interact with him which is not many times because i'm not uh not fantastic at like actually forcing myself to interact with him but the cute story for cleft bomb is my sister actually has she has two cleft bomb jerseys and one's a cleft bomb jersey and one's a kelf bomb jersey because when the nhl uh crested it and sent it they put the e and the l in the wrong place so she complained to them and they sent a proper one so she took both of them with her when she you know, she went to one of the Oilers signings and he signed it. And then, you know, a friend of hers was with her and he took the other one through and he's like, well, what's wrong with this jersey? And he's sitting there like looking at it and like, you know, looking at the letters, took him a minute before he realized it wasn't actually his name, but he signed it anyway, genuinely, you know, nice, you know, friendly human being, right? Like always like, he's, he's good with fans, you know, you can't say that about all your guys. So just, protect
0: the guy yeah yeah i agree with you guys i i love cleft bomb and he it's, signs uh, Kelf bomb
2: jerseys just protect <laughs> the guy and
0: like you guys said it'd be silly not to protect your best defenseman um but the pessimistic way to view this is will he actually he want
2: my
0: jersey. <laughs> you can hear my sister back there
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> like, shut up
0: <laughs> um yeah, but I think, yeah, the pessimistic way to look at this is will he ever get to that level again? I think you, I think he's earned that bet on him. And um, I mean, yeah. come on,
2: Preston, engage your optimism, like there is no yeah. evidence right now that he won't get to that yeah. level again, and you won't have any evidence for it. Um, um before yes. you have to protect you him. should have right? seen
0: me before the season started and there was all those Ekman-Larsen trade rumors and I went off on some people wanting to trade Clef Balm. I love the guy. I hope he comes back and he's his usual self and hopefully he's even better because he doesn't have that injury anymore. All right, so moving on. Last topic of the podcast. We have uh, kind of a busy week in oil country this week. We play a rematch against Montreal in Montreal uh monday which is if you're listening to this on the first day this is live that's tonight at 5 p.m do you think the team can rebound against that uh, very disheartening four nothing lost last
1: tuesday
0: (laughs) i think they won't be tired this time (laughs) yeah they got rest
1: yeah and it's very important obviously to come out and show a better effort that was a that was one of their worst games of the year on tuesday uh, so I, I hope they're motivated to come out and prove that that was a bit of a fluke that they were tired. Uh, yeah, well, come on, yeah. Let's, let's win. Let's win a game on Monday.
0: And then, hey, uh, I already know what Corey's going to say about this. We have two games against Ottawa Wednesday and Friday. Are we just going to go three and zero this week? Is that what <laughs> we're doing again? A complete sweep of the week?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, they're probably. They're probably going to lose to Ottawa one of these games. Ottawa's actually like not a bad team when they they're not are, playing the Oilers, but we are their kryptonite. Uh, I mean not well. Ottawa, an, an extremely bad hockey team, doesn't really need a kryptonite because they are not Superman. But uh, we are. Some, a team that Ottawa just can't figure out at all um I mean our high-end talent is just absolutely schooling their inexperienced blue line and, and, and goaltending and uh hey let's see let's keep it rolling against those oh, guys okay
2: I think that they're uh they're they're just like first win against the um, Toronto Maple Leafs goalie is out injured but uh come on like let's stop you know stop beating up on goalies that are <laughs> <laughs> barely seen the nhl at all like Connor mcdavid it's just not fair oh yeah. it's
0: i feel bad for i think it was uh hoberg because he's just a young kid every time he plays edmonton we just absolutely light him up do you guys remember when vegas brought in that uh, whl goalie against the others a few years back yeah on an emergency basis and conor mcdavid just lit him up it's like that man has no mercy he doesn't care who's in that
1: Connor McDavid does not get shut out by Zamboni drivers. It will not happen. <laughs> yes, that's a well, direct shot at the Leafs.
2: Well, you know, um, Connor McDavid has also never had to face Zamboni drivers. But so. if he
0: did, he would be filling the net. Make no mistake.
1: I'm pretty uh, confident.
0: I, I, I I'm not
2: saying Connor that he'd have any Zamboni mercy, better. but. Uh,
0: Unlike a certain number 34 inch.
2: To be fair, he might have slightly more mercy if it was his Zamboni driver instead of just a random don't know. Zamboni
0: driver. I don't know. Connor McDavid is cold-blooded. Look at that elbow he sent out last week. He's blind
1: sure chippy these days.
0: That, uh, He's now, man. Uh,
2: Connor McDavid, that elbow was like a year of my uh, my university tuition. Like, watch it, <laughs> kid. Like, don't go wasting I money would, for That's no the
0: money that I have in my bank account right now. Anyways, that's going to do it for this episode of the Copper and Blue Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you guys next week.